everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. A very good morning, afternoon or evening to our podcast followers, wherever and whenever you may be tuning into us from. Um, before we dive into today's podcast, we have an absolute shameless plug for you. Uh, the podcast is currently looking for a sponsor for 2018. Um, if you're a company working within the events industry and you'd like to utilize the podcast as a way of reaching out to your own customers, please do get in touch. Since we launched the podcast, we have reached over 23,000 listeners worldwide. So uh, potentially a great platform for somebody out there if they do want to get in touch with us. So let's dive straight in to today's episode and welcome our guest first of all, uh, Brian Cooney, CEO of Mallow Events. Welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. It's a new experience for me. Well, new experiences, um, I think, is very much the subject uh, of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Mallow Events are the organisers of um, a portfolio of, of different events, um, one of which that we're going to be, I suppose, focusing on in, in some ways is uh, an event called Kitropolis, uh, which earlier in January was announced uh, that it would be moving uh, or hosting one of its events at the NEC in April. So, Brian, I suppose, throwing it over to you um, to tell us a little bit about the Kidtropolis uh, event, why it's gone to Birmingham, what it is, and a bit of the history around it. Um, well, Kidtropolis has gone to the NEC first as what we call the NEC edition, um, because we do have a London edition, which is at XL in London, which was held uh, traditionally for the last two years in October, on the October half term. But we're looking to, we're currently playing with it, basically, and uh, coming up with the format that works. So, it originally started with uh, Simon Pilling and a great idea for a show called Toytopia, which then developed into Kitropolis. And it's basically been rebooted a couple of times to try and find what works best. And what worked well in London the first year um, worked better the second year. But at the same time, it didn't generate the numbers of people through the door that we would have expected based on what it was, because it was a very good offering. Um, so we've looked at the actual the offering and said, right, what, is, what can we do with this to um, develop it? And all we're doing is developing, and it takes time. Maybe anybody that runs exhibitions, sometimes they're five years in before they get to the right uh, uh, format, and you're always tinkering around the edges anyway. Um, so the NEC edition brings in a move to uh, obviously Central Midlands, mm -hmm. brings us to the National uh, Event uh, Centre for uh, NEC and them as a good partner who we're working with. And we have remodeled the, the, the offerings so that parents basically want their children to be occupied, especially on a half term. So we've put a tagline for this uh, in addition, which is basically Kitropolis come and play. So I take the view that if you're going to sell somebody a tin of beans, you put beans in it. If you're going to sell them a children's show, come and play. They expect when they come to come and play. Now you can make it educational as you go along, but ideally they just want to play. And we've made a good start um, with our ticket sales. They are actually tracking substantially ahead of the track in London. Mm -hmm. And it's for many reasons, possibly because the audience is more receptive. But I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that once you're outside London, people pay more attention. If, you, if you're in London and you live there, uh, for on a holiday especially, there's so many different choices of places you could take your kids for the day. Whereas outside of London, it's a little more sporadic. So 
equally price point, we played with the price points. So instead of it being 1550 or 1750 or 1950 and that kind of thing, we've literally gone to 999. So you can barely go to the movies for a one and a half hour movie for 999. So if you can bring your children age, then the target audience is sort of three to 12. If you can bring your children to a show that offers a perfect price entry point that occupies them for four hours because it's two sessions one morning one right. afternoon um, you can change your audience twice during the day and they are only uh, I have a 10 year old and I have a 14 year old and a 16 year old and a 21 year old so basically I've been through it their attention span is two to three hours. So yeah. if you're able to work on that basis, 9.99 gives you a good entry point. But equally, I've always remember, I go to Disneyland, I go to Universal Studios, I go to Walton Towers, but they get to go on all the rides. Now I could go on the rides, but I choose not to because most of the time I don't want to, but you, you're there because your children are there. So we even changed it that the second uh, entry, so if dad wants to come with mom or mom wants to come with dad or um, grandmother wants to come with dad, whichever way around, the second entry is half price. So we've tinkered with the, the price point. We've, we've tinkered with the offering overall. So the content is very much what can the children do when they get in and how much can they do in four hours? So we have a 200 foot assault course that's inflatable that they sort of fight their way through. And if anybody's interested, if you go to the website, you can actually click on a video and somebody's GoPro their way through it. So you can see the experience and the children all look happy. Um, and we also announced nearly everything um, uh, for Catropolis London in one go. And then you're left with for three months, everybody going, what else? So on this one, we've literally un unveiled or unwrapped three things. And as we go through the next couple of weeks, we'll just announce more activities. And it seems to be that people are more receptive. Um, we're literally moving along with... Uh, great ticket sales, great response, great social media. Um, and, uh, you know, we've added in, I think, over 1,100 uh, followers or likes, if we want to call them that, on Facebook in just the last 10 days. And, and what you've just said there about um, uh, announcing and, and planning to announce more content and things, uh, the first parallel that that draws to me is with something like a music festival that won't announce all of its lineup in one hit. It will sort of drip feed that over a period of time because what that's doing is, is, a, is giving them more content, more opportunities to put interesting information up on their social media channels or their websites, more opportunities to maybe engage with a, a part of the audience that maybe wasn't so keen on the stuff that they've announced previously, but suddenly you've got their attention. Is that very much sort of the thinking behind doing that? Exactly. Just give them something new because you've nothing left to say on social if you've announced everything because all you're doing is repeating the same message. So for us, um, we've got a really good social campaign where we're literally just going to announce content bit by bit. So we're planning to announce something this afternoon, I believe, um, depending on time from it because we're all running around here with multiple shows. But um, for us, it, it really is about unwrapping the prize like a Kinder Egg. You're just taking bit by bit and what's the next goodness, goodie that's inside it. Um, and it does work and it is working very well for us and um, we're happy with it uh, social is the key like right now being honest um, what have we spent on marketing nothing because it's all social it's all going well will we spend money on marketing absolutely but we're targeting it and we're hitting specific markets in specific timelines because again it's all about when do people buy tickets generally for children you tend to think 
four weeks, three weeks, two weeks out. You don't generally think far ahead. So that's why we're very, very surprised and encouraged by our ticket sales. But then some of it, if you're looking at it from an event industry point of view, is who are you working with and what are you doing? And obviously we're not trying to plug every venue and stuff, but the NEC from their part and with a sort of partnership with Ticket Factory and the venue Mm. are putting some emphasis behind on their marketing and their support and making sure that they're helping us and assisting us, which is important. If we don't have that, it doesn't make sense. And as you said, it's the NEC edition. Will there be another edition? Yes, there'll be a London edition. Will there be somewhere else? Absolutely. There's already another two locations planned, but Mm. it's based on, we're not going to announce anything maybe a week before Birmingham. We might say, Oh, by the way, now we're coming too." but we want to make sure that we've got the right response to the format, um, which does include live shows as well. So we've announced um, a CBB's presenter called Andy day, who's got his own band and they play music for kids and that's getting a great response. So that means that you're not only trying to have children play, but you're also entertaining them with live stage performances. Um, with people they may know or it's just could be a magician it could be anything um it's not rocket science what we're doing it really isn't rocket science and can other people try to copy it yes they can um but like with comic-con we found everybody tries to copy the comic-cons that we do or did in the uk and they just can never get to the same success level because the recipe may be there but it's how you actually put the recipe together as opposed to when do you put all the elements together just because you have a list doesn't mean it works and you you say it's not rocket science though but i mean from experience i have two boys they're 11 and they're 14 years old so similarly i've been through this i've been through the school holidays and trying to entertain them trying to work at the same time as get them off a, a PlayStation and get them outdoors and doing something or get them out playing. Um, and you say it's not rocket science, but children can be as discerning an audience as, as any adult, um, especially now when they're subjected to so many different streams of, of entertainment and things that they can choose to engage with. So um, you say it's not rocket science, but I bet there's an awful lot of planning and thought and very, very fine details that go into the timings of the activities, the type of activities, even down to the layout of the venue itself, I would presume, as to where certain activities would be best suited based on a journey that people may take around the venue. Yeah, absolutely. And the the layout is key also from a point of view of how you control the lines, because not everybody can go on every every feature at once. And if you don't have it laid out correctly and you haven't allowed for the lines, you haven't allowed for control, you can very quickly get into a free for all. So you have to plan it all through. Like my market research is pretty easy. Like the idea of a second adult at 50 percent off. Um, wasn't an idea of mine. It was an idea of Alicia in our office because she has a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And for her, she was saying, well, if I was a mom and I was going to go, I would want to bring my partner, but obviously we're paying money and it's an expensive day out for the family. So suddenly it became affordable where two children and one adult and one half-price adult, the whole thing is for less than 40 pounds. So um, there is a research element. I also had my 10-year-old go around the last Catropolis. What did he enjoy doing? What did he enjoy playing? And he very much liked the physical activities, going through assault courses, roller skating, um, trampolining, um, crazy golf. Um, It wasn't all about playing on computers. And we have got that element. And the press release did uh, give that we would be having certain things that we haven't announced to the public. So we'll have a Roblox element. We'll have a Minecraft element. We'll have LAN networks set up. But that's not what everybody wants. And my my 10-year-old was very, very interested in just 
the assault course and the trampolines. <laughs> he, yeah. he, said, he said the roller skating was fun, but he really preferred the trampolines. So you just, by, by listening to children, you understand. And I take that as a broad view. If you just divert away from Catropolis for a second, we purchased Summer in the City as the largest YouTube festival of its kind in the UK. And I didn't quite understand the market. We had an element within MCM, which was um, VidFest, which was about YouTubers. But it was a very tentative step into that market i yeah. took my 14 year old daughter to summer in the city i'd contacted the organizers and said hey would you like to meet with me because i knew i was interested in the market but when i seen how my 14 year old navigated her way through the show and how she interacted with youtubers especially at meet and greets I, when i seen her hug dan and phil who are two big youtubers and yeah. the way she hugged them i was talking to somebody turned around and just seen her go wow around these guys and how happy she was I knew I had to buy the show because I knew that if she's like that, every other 14, 15 year old teenager would be. And if, and if you want any sort of support on that from me, again, from personal experience, I can tell you that, you know, I, 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 I've seen firsthand with two young lads who have varying different interests, whether it be music, football, various other sports, even stuff like Minecraft. You know, there are YouTubers who build up huge followings just with their Minecraft channels on YouTube. And it's something that it took me a while to understand, but because of that generation of children who have grown up in that whole world, you know, these these people are you know the TV stars of the day. Um, they are, yeah, they're the celebrities. They are the celebrities. Um, my my uh, ten year old, just to, to get you there on that, he walks around the house and he's got different T-shirts. One of them is Daily Bumps, which is a internet family, and I can't remember the name of the family, but he watches it every day because they put out a video called Daily Bumps. So all yeah. he keeps saying to me is, "Have you invited Daily Bumps to Bumps to uh, Summer in the City?" And <laughs> yes, I have. Have they said yes yet? No, but I have tried because he's my market research. And you have the same experience. And, and the primary thing about being an organizer for me of anything that's youthful is that I'm not young. I have a young mind as far as I'm concerned. I feel like I'm 18 years old. Anybody that knows me will tell you that. But that doesn't mean I know what the 18-year-old wants or the 20-year-old. So surrounding myself with people that do, uh, showing our marketing and our social and our billboards and our advertising to young people and saying, what do you think? And you get a better perspective because what I feel is right for us is not necessarily right overall. And that's part of the key is not assuming you know everything and know best. I do. I am right about 99% about everything because that's just me. Um, and it's one of those things where they say you're a narcissist if you think you're exceptional and you're whatever. I personally just think that I am exceptional for whatever reason. People think I'm exceptional because I do have a knack to be right about a lot of things. But I also accept that I need other people's opinions. And that's why I surround myself with a small group of people whose opinions matter. And they all give me the truth. And mm -hmm. if, they, if they don't like my advertising, they'll say it's horrible. You know, so <laughs> and, and, and my children will tell me as well. So yeah, there, there is such you are right. It isn't rocket science in one way, but it is in another way. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned it, and we will make sure that we come around to talking um, uh, about the, the, the multiple show aspects and the other brands that you've got under Mallow Events. But coming back to um, Kitropolis, um, and, and particularly on the adult side of things, um, whilst the content is very much or is focused on the children, come and play, and it's something that the parents will take the children to do, inevitably you will have parents who are perhaps stood there twiddling their thumbs on their phones, um, you know, 
because it's focused on the children, what elements are you building into the event to keep the parents occupied? What, what's going to be on offer for them? Well, the thing with the live shows is it's something the parents can take part with the children because they can go and see the live shows. And you'd be um, uh, probably surprised by the amount of people on social media who are talking about Andy Day, as an example, as the CBB's presenter. You've got a lot of moms going, oh, I can't wait to meet him <laughs> because he's not just appearing on the stage. He will be meeting and greeting people. And the, the other element of Catropolis is, is that when you pay your price nearly everything you get when you get inside is included like right. obviously it won't include food and it won't include if you want to buy toys or something but the overall element is for free so the parents will enjoy it it's more about yes having a family time so we also get parents who bring the seven-year-old but they have a two-year-old or a three-year-old and what are they going to do so we're building into Catropolis a soft play and a messy play area for small children. But right next to it, we're having the NEC provide a coffee shop location with seating so that the mom or the dad or whatever can buy a coffee, sit at a table next to the soft play and watch their children right in front of them so that they can literally socialize while they watch their children enjoy. And a lot of the elements, like the assault course, a parent can go through with their child if they want to. So... We, we're trying as where we can to say family, 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 and we are actually bringing in something on the website, I think it's next week, where we're stamping all of the activities with a recommended age range, so that when the parent turns up, they're not going, well, I bought my three-year-old and he really wanted to go on, but now you're saying it's five to seven or five to 11. So we're yeah. trying to give them as much information as advanced, but you are right. Getting the parents as occupied as possible is good. And I think if you have a lot of interactive activities, we'll have character meets. So parents can meet the characters with their children um, as well as go and purchase things. It is a factor and we are working on it. But I think the live shows are the best example that the children can attend the live shows with their parents. And and you've actually but you, you've you've already answered a question that I had noted down, which was relating to what people get for the admission price. Because so often um, a, a, a particular bugbear amongst parents is taking the children to something, paying an admission price, and then finding out that you've got to pay out further money for certain activities and things when you're going in. I think everybody understands that if they want to buy lunch, if they want to buy a drink, they want to buy a coffee, a souvenir, that will be an additional price. But things like the the activities that the the the, 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 the two 200 foot you know uh, adventure play area the the, the, the roller skating etc etc all of this is included in the admission price all of it including the minecraft roblox areas the the various other elements of what we haven't announced but it's a case of there's lots of things but the whole idea is that the only restriction on any of it is going to be dependent on the age that's going to be it there's no charge for the additional activities um, there's always going to be the man wanting to sell you a balloon there's always going to be somebody wanting to sell you a toy but that's just the same as going to Disneyland or Universal Studios or Knottsbury Farm or um, Alton Towers or Chessington, just to mention them all so they don't feel left out. Um, <laughs> but um, ultimately, the whole thing is is $9.99. You basically you pay your $9.99 and you come in and you get what you get. And as I said, you can't all go on the ride simultaneously, but if we plan it, so we're currently planning how many people can be in line preparing to go on to an activity how many can be on it so with the roller skating 50 children could be roller skating and 50 children could be being prepped so as the 50 come off you've prepped another 50 to go on but we have to work out all those timings to go how many people can we occupy at any one time the problem is is if every one of them want to be on one thing it's not going to happen and parents have to accept that mm -hmm. like if i go to uh universal studios uh, hollywood they have the harry potter ride the average waiting time on that because it's 
it's so popular, the very large ride is somewhere between 70 to 120 minutes. Now, you paid your ticket in, but you've got to wait 70 to 120 minutes. Yeah. And you accept it when you go to parks, but parents need to come to an event, any event, where there's activities and have an open mind about the queuing time. We're hoping to keep average times between 15 and 30 minutes so that they can get to enjoy as much as possible. And um, we're also planning ahead of the show as the numbers come through we'll reassess if we hit maximum capacity on every single day we'll actually look and we have a backup list now of can we fit in some more features which ones can we add what will we add we'll add in more features that we won't even advertise because literally a week before just to ensure we have additional capacity if we hit those high numbers and um uh, uh one thing I'm, I'm curious to ask, and, and it ties in with not just Kitropolis, but um, the, the, the drone show that, that you mentioned that you guys operate and also somewhere in the city with the, the YouTubers. Um, these are markets that if you'd have said 10, 15 years ago or whenever YouTube was released, oh, there's going to be a, a dedicated show for people who love watching YouTube. And there's going to be a dedicated show for people who are drone enthusiasts. You know, people probably would have looked at you like you had two heads. The fact is, these are huge markets now that have huge followings, so they perfectly warrant a show. Are you constant? Have you constantly got your ears to the ground about whatever new technologies or new markets are and, and entertainment that people are just getting into now that you think maybe in five, six, seven years' time could present opportunities for events like this? Yeah, absolutely. That's the key element about me. I'm, I've been described as a sort of psychopathic entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur. Other people will say a serial entrepreneur. I never viewed myself that way. I just viewed it as I was earning a living. When I um, uh, co-founded the MCM uh, shows with uh, Paul Miley, it was not within mind to create this whole thing that would dominate the UK and be the third largest group of Comic-Cons in the world. It was very much just to run a show to make a little bit of money and make mm -hmm. a living. And but now I'm constantly looking at, like with that, I was looking at what was the US doing 10 years or five years before anybody else was and adapting MCM to what the Americans were doing. And there, there's, a, there's an old adage that one, one event company used, which I won't name them, but their motto is copy with pride. There's nothing that says copying is a bad thing. You look mm. at what the US market's doing and you move it. And there was an entrepreneur also on a video I've seen recently on a, on a podcast that said, just because somebody's doing something in Chicago that's working, you don't, doesn't mean you can't do it in New York so long as they don't own the rights. You can just take the format or the idea and make, just because somebody else has done it doesn't mean you can't do it. It's like a coffee shop, just because there's a Starbucks doesn't mean there can't be a Costa. And you just have to look at the ideas. I photograph something every day, something. It'll be an idea from a billboard, a magazine, and something I see in a coffee shop, something I see on my way to work, and I'll have an idea. The problem is, is that I can't do all those ideas. Elon Musk basically said not so long ago, his problem is saying the word no. And he doesn't say no very often, and that leaves him in a mess because he's doing too many things. <laughs> so I've had to learn post the sale of MCM that um, I can only do so much and how much do I want to do because technically I should have retired. Um, but I'm, I'm a kind of person that has to work. I still come into work at 7.30 every morning um, and I get home at 5, 6 when I you know, literally shouldn't be working. Well, not shouldn't, I just don't have to. But I love what I do and I love creating. So as I'm creating, I'm looking for an exit strategy from each show. Who can I leave with this baby so I can move on to the new It's Shiny moment? And I'm constantly looking for that new thing. So you're right. I have ideas for shows for next year and the year after, but 
should I perhaps do a couple of them now in case somebody else thinks of it? Yes. But if I do that, will I do them right? Or will I just be doing them because I'm afraid somebody else won't, will do them? And, and then I'll make a mess of it. And I've done that a couple of times in my past. I ran at a show and then made a mess of it. So I'd rather take my time. Some, some people may say, just playing devil's advocate here, that that's a very, very sort of calculated, almost ruthless business um, ideal to have where, you know, you're looking for the, for the future project and where maybe you can sell an event or move an event onto somebody else, into the hands of somebody else. Um, and that ne doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that you're, you're putting your heart and soul into it. I suppose there's another train of thought that says that if you have got that long-term strategy and that end game, that you're going to make the event as best as it possibly can be so that when the time does come to hand it over to, to new people and new custodians, um, it's in the best shape possible for everybody. That's exactly the point. It's a case of, I work a lot with actors with the Comic-Con side of the business and there's always this argument about, well, the actors, you're having to pay money to go to events to see actors and stuff. And I point out to everybody at that point that they call it show business. They don't call it show they call it show business. It is a business and um, events are a business and you can't apologize for creating events that make money, but you can do it in a way that allows you to feel good about it. And I always take away from my thing, what is the customer experience? Did I have a good time? And if I had a good time, did everybody else have a good time? And at the Summer in the City YouTube Festival, I... The show runs very, very well. Dave and Tom, who are the co-founders, do a great job. Uh, but I wander around the floor. And from time to time, I see a child crying. When I say a child, a young teen crying or parents hugging them or whatever. And I will just say hi to the parents and go, oh, they're crying with happiness or whatever. And they'll go, yes, they just got to meet such and such. <laughs> or they didn't make it through the ballot to do a meet and greet to meet the person they wanted to meet. And I can't help everybody. Yeah. I can't help everybody, but in that moment, I will think, right, where is that YouTuber? Where is that influencer right now? How can I make that person's visit um, spectacular? And I will literally find the YouTuber, take this person, take them to the Google or Facebook green room and bring them to an, an extra experience. And I can't do that for everybody, but I do it for a few people. But the goal is to try and make everybody happy. So if I create an event that makes a little bit of money, but ultimately makes me feel that I made a, a, um, an experience for people, then I will make that experience for people as best it can be because it's, um, I also live by a thing of how much is enough. So if you're doing well, why do more, 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 more? And equally, I'm not saying I abandon shows, but I'm focusing on Catropolis right now because it needs a new format. A new life. I'll get it to a point where I feel that it's the best show I can make it and it's in the best hands of the best team. And then I will be focusing on something else. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that I don't care about it. It doesn't mean I don't keep an eye on it. It just means that I can spend, somebody else can use my expertise somewhere else. Um, and I've been asked um, by an, a company at the moment to advise on a show in a, a very large country, which I can't tell you about, because I'm the expert in that particular type of show. So I'm going to help them make the show as best it can be. But it is business. And it's not necessarily about creating businesses to sell. It's about creating businesses to make people happy, make me happy, give me something to do, but equally make money. Because the world goes around by people like me creating businesses and employing people. If I don't employ the people I employ, they don't pay their rent or their mortgages. If they don't buy stuff in the shops, the guy in Tesco's or whatever who stacks the shelf doesn't have a job. Mm. And uh, there is an argument about it is, a, it, is, it literally is the circle of life. 
and I'm really weird like that, and people people don't get me. And but that extends as well to the to the suppliers, to the contractors, to the people who, by running shows like this, you need to come in and deliver all of these elements that we've spoken about on today's podcast. That will also be making a living and employing people off the back of shows and events like this being born, being built, being run, and you know, ultimately cementing themselves in 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 certain marketplaces. So everything has a knock on effect. It does, and you have, if you want, if you look at the amount of suppliers that you use over the years, and work out how much money you spend with them, and where they invested in growing their businesses in other directions because they had you as a customer, it's 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 substantial. The millions and millions and millions it ripples down the whole effect. It's like Comic Con in London is probably worth, you know, I'd say whatever, uh, say five million on sales at the show itself. But we did an analysis once where the value of spend at the show was 15 million pounds with another five million events of additional sales after the show for exhibitors. And what is it worth to the community on hotels, travel, parking, internet, um, catering? You know, as far as I'm aware, we still hold a record for the most noodles ever eaten. Um, and, and basically it does work itself out that way. And um, where you, you, can can just figure it out and just it does make sense and I, I i am part of that so the suppliers i had previously i'm trying to work with i'm trying to work with the venues because shows or exhibitions in themselves are um cyclical they do come along and they do have some of them have a lifespan like a drone show how long will a drone show have a lifespan for um, you know the um, the gadget show. How long was its lifespan? And um, the clothes show in its original format that ran for 27 years. It it had to change because the world changes. And if it doesn't, shows so shows come and shows go. And um, a lot of the exhibition companies are, are well. I, when I say copy with pride, they do exactly that. They look for who's took the step to create a new show, go into a new market, created a new market, and they go, oh, that's a market. Let's enter it. Um, I'd prefer to be the person that creates the, the new stuff and be flattered if people follow um and on that note we bring today's chat to a close brian um i'm conscious that you've um uh, off air today you've got all sorts of things um that, uh, that that you've got going on at the moment and all sorts of places to be um so the first thing we should do um on behalf of all our podcast followers watchers and listeners is thank you for your time today because it's been a great chat and a bit of an insight into some of the stuff that you're going to be up to with mallow events with with the various projects and particularly kidtropolis um as i said it was a, it was announced at the start of january that uh kidtropolis nec edition would run i think it's between the 6th and the 8th of april at the nec which is um round about the kids easter holiday times i know that in the uk that the holiday times can vary and fluctuate a little bit but having looked at those dates before uh we came on air today um i can see that that does pretty much fall into most of the uk easter holiday periods either in the beginning or the, uh, the middle or the end of it so um yeah keep your eyes out for that head over to uh, to the mallow events and the kidtropolis website for more information um and thank you very much brian for coming on the show today and talking to us about it well, thank you for giving me the time i appreciate it we're going to uh, we're going to wrap up uh, as always by, by saying don't forget to stay up to date with all of the latest uh, news from eventindustrynews.com by downloading the event industry news app available for all the major mobile devices as i said at the top of the show the podcast is going to be going out weekly as normal but once a month we're going to be doing a live facebook for podcast um not always with ted unfortunately um and i don't think we have the capacity to bleep out some of the content that could 
could be born from Ted, but we will be doing a Facebook Live podcast on the last Wednesday of each month. So subscribe to all the various news feeds from Event Industry News to find out what's happening there. But as we push for time, we're going to wrap up today's episode. Thanks again to Brian. My name is James Dixon. Thanks for joining the podcast and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.